When it's cold outside, thanks to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, you'll be warm and toasty inside. Right now, put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to two years at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now, filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. That's a big day. 45 victims and survivors said their piece yesterday in court to Daryl Brooks. And through this court case, you know, WTMJ has been covering it. We have reporters inside of the courtroom in reaction to it. And today is the day after those victims and survivor statements that we possibly hear from Daryl Brooks's grandmother. And then Judge Doro would have the opportunity to put the sentencing down. And we're anticipating that today. And we will bring that to you live on WTMJ. It is a big breaking news story. I'm watching the courtroom now. And to set the scene, Daryl Brooks in an orange shirt. He's wearing a mask. And what basically happened, he's shackled, he's got the different restraints on his hands, and he's got some documents, paperwork, books in front of him. They got the live feed up a little before noon, little afternoon or so, maybe 12.01, 12.02. Judge Doro enters in and basically says, is there any business we need to address before getting back to the statements? Coming into this, we anticipated that the defense side, the side where we were wondering if Daryl Brooks's grandmother was going to hook up on Zoom and read a statement in favor of her grandson. Um, we don't know if that's going to happen exactly yet. At least I haven't seen it reported. But the prosecution mentioned that yesterday were disrupted, so they were requesting the person have their statement read in front of the court this morning. So you may get one more victim-survivor statement right out to the court before we proceed. So, you know, as this is going through, it's a very fluid situation. The sentencing could happen this hour, could happen next hour. It just depends because you don't know what's going to happen. Like yesterday during the court case, you noticed that they even had to evacuate the courtroom out of precaution. So who knows what's going to happen today? Alex Crow is on the scene, and we're going to hear from him this hour after hopefully the sentencing has occurred and get his reaction to it. And Eric Milstad is on hand and ready to go whenever that time comes he'll be ready to take the breaking news and cover it here on wtmj you're not going to want to go anywhere part of the victim statements from yesterday there's two moments that really stood out to me well actually more than two moments there was moments when judge darrow was reading statements and really the accounts of what happened and you notice that even for her as a professional and she's conducted herself just well above board i mean fantastic just been probably one of the best cases a judge could handle um, the way she handled it could have been one of the best cases. I mean, not the case being just under the circumstances, she handled it the best way. That's what I'm trying to say. And even her, she was getting choked up reading how bodies were left in the street for hours in the cold and people tearing down doors to drag them out because they didn't, you know, they didn't have the heart to see them lay there any longer alone. And, uh, the prosecution was crying, but you looked at Daryl Brooks and not a tear, not an ounce of remorse. The victim and survivor statements that came yesterday, some were talking about their family members and others were directed straight to Daryl Brooks, 
to talk about here. This is the devastation that you gave to our family. And some of them were quite frank in the way that he should be handled after a moment like this. And I wanted to play a couple of those moments. I thought it would be good to repeat here today. Uh, Can we play clip number eight? On November 21st, you killed my mother. And in this courtroom, I watched you run her down and her broken body slide across the concrete. This woman loved and she was loved. You ran her down like she was nothing. And since that day, you have shown no remorse. You'd offered no explanation for your atrocities. It offends me that you're sitting here breathing while she is not. You are a monster. You deserve contempt and death. Sadly, with no death penalty in this state, I can only hope they lock you away someplace so deep the rats chew on your fingers at night. As for me, this will never be over until the day I'm in your grave. I think it would be fair to say that for your crimes, even God hates you. Wow. Boy. All right. So if you're curious, that is one of the surviving family members watching the courtroom case as it plays out right now. And like I mentioned before, it's very fluid. Daryl Brooks's grandmother looks like she is now on Zoom in addressing the court. TMJ4 posted a revised statement from her. It's very interesting because originally, when it comes to the, uh, the statement, two days ago she released the words she was going to say in front of the court. I saw the document and I actually discussed it yesterday and how disappointed I was in Daryl Brooks's grandmother in the way that she was handling it. She has since revised her statement, and there was a line that she took out of it, and I thought that was in uh, good taste for her to uh, address that, hey, maybe this wasn't the best tone to try to tell the victims today how they should be feeling and how they should be reacting to their murderous grandson. Uh, So it looks like she's about to address the court. We're going to take a break. And like I said, when... Judge Jennifer Darrow is ready to hand out that sentence. We are going to carry it live on WTMJ, so you're going to want to stick right here throughout the course of the show. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in on The Jeff Wagner Show on WTMJ. Welcome back to WTMJ. I'm Ryan Recker. You can find me online, ryanrecker.com. I'm keeping an ear out inside of the courtroom as Daryl Brooks' sentencing continues onto this Wednesday Judge Darrow, from what I understand, will be handing out that sentence today, and we will be covering it live. Alex Crow is inside of the courtroom, and on top of that, Eric Bilstadt will be here to anchor that coverage. Speaking now is Daryl Brooks's grandmother, and I'm trying to listen a little bit to the words she's saying and see if it lines up with the statement she released earlier, her intentions of what she would say today. You know, there was a little bit of question if she would be speaking today, and the reason for that is because... She mentioned to TMJ4 that her grandson showed no remorse. He did not humbly apologize, and because of that, it's, it's, it wouldn't be difficult for her to come in and give this statement. But here she is today giving that statement. Originally, she had a statement laid out, and I tried to put them side by side to see if anything changed between it. And just how disappointed I was in the original statement, I talked about it on the show yesterday, And one of the things I was disappointed about was that she goes on this diatribe about, oh, really, you know, you know what the real problem is, mental illness. So don't put this on my grandson, Daryl Brooks. It's really mental illness's fault. And then she goes on to say things like, uh, it's also mentally ill for you not to forgive him. Uh, 
I'm putting words in her mouth, but essentially that's the conclusion she comes to. Don't let this ruin you, just like mental illness ruined Daryl Brooks, because, you know. I, and I looked at that, and I thought it was just so in poor taste and that she was wagging her finger at all of the victims and all the people that were traumatized in a community that was ripped apart because of that murder, Daryl Brooks. And she's saying, I'm going to tell you how you should feel. You should feel this way. And you're not allowed to feel the way you're feeling right now. You're not allowed to have anger. You're not allowed to say you're not forgiving him because ultimately this is a societal issue with mental health, which I've been working with for a part of my career. You know, so that's essentially the statement. And at the very end of the statement, she had one line that I thought was a real slap in the face to everything. But based on the revised statement, she took that line out. So I will give her credit and say that this is a good thing. Originally, this is how the statement ended. It is my prayer and my belief that God will hear the cries of all impacted by this terrible tragedy. It is also my prayer that he will hear the cries of the mentally ill. Again, it is my prayer that Daryl Edward Brooks Jr. will get help and not punishment. This is a sentencing, okay? And she ends it by saying, he needs help, not punishment. I thought that was a huge slap in the face to all the victims, to the community, who this day they deserve to see him get punished for his horrific crimes. Crimes against parents, against children, and those injured that were standing up to tell them how their life has been impacted because of his direct actions. All of them yesterday had their moment. And I thought, what a slap in the face to say he doesn't deserve punishment for all of that, after he showed no remorse. All of the victim impact statements that were mentioned yesterday were 100% valid. All of them have the right to be angry at him. All of them have the right to say he is a monster. All of them have the right to say he deserves worse. And them wishing that Wisconsin had the death penalty, they have the right to feel that way. And unfortunately, Wisconsin does not, because I think most people would also agree that life in prison is not enough for the crimes that he committed. So Daryl Brooks's grandmother is uh, still speaking right now, and I'm reading all of the comments that are coming out right now, and they are not treating her kind, saying that, hey, this is really, um, this is mental health issue, not Daryl Brooks' issue. And to shift the blame in any other way is disappointing. It shouldn't be that way. I had all kinds of other clips I wanted to play. I'm going to have to play them coming up after the break. I'm still going to listen a little bit to his grandmother make a statement. And I'm looking at some of these text messages, too. Uh, One person texted in, why all the coverage on Daryl Brooks? He's going to prison for life. Who cares? I think that the people that were impacted by this deserve the closure. They deserve to have their day. And luckily, it's before the anniversary of his horrific crimes. They deserve to hear the judge give the sentence into say that your life is going to be spent behind bars, the rest of it, whatever that may be. Whatever happens inside, happens inside. But I think all the victims deserve a day like this, and that's why we're talking about it. And then we don't have to talk about it again until one day, <laughs> I don't want to predict anything, but who knows what happens on the inside after his horrific crime. Sometimes prisoners do things on their own accord. Um, I'm not condoning that, but I'm just saying that'll probably be the next time you hear from him. All right. uh, I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And like I mentioned before, we are going to carry the sentencing live here on WTMJ and we'll pick it up when that happens. We'll be right back. Watching the Daryl Brooks coverage live streamed and his sentencing should happen today. I'm hoping within the hour. 
His grandmother just wrapped up. Daryl Brooks started crying. Um, she started, from what I can tell, during the break. And like I mentioned, I was kind of working on some other things, and I was trying to listen to her statements. But she started to read the Maya Angelou poem, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, in defense of her grandson, the murderer, Daryl Brooks. I have a feeling that Maya Angelou uh, may have some objection to her poem being used that way. My goodness. All right. Maybe you pick something else. He is not a victim here. Daryl Brooks is not a victim. That needs to be said a million and a half times. Maybe once for every year he receives in his sentencing that will happen today. All right. We're going to cover that when it does happen. I wanted to play one more victim impact moment from yesterday that a lot of people are talking about and i really think it's the victims and their families that should be having the final say here and that should be rightfully so not a crying daryl brooks so here's one moment from chris owens and this is the moment i think a lot of people started paying attention to this is clip number nine and mr brooks i hope as i read my statement you continue to roll your eyes i hope you continue to laugh and just show how bored and unmoved you are by all of this because i think that's important it's important for the world to see that evil can be a tangible, living, breathing thing. I think it's important for the world to see what human rot looks like. And to all the survivors, every time he puts his hand on that empty cavity where his heart should be, I hope you all smile, and I hope you take solace in the fact that today is our day. Today is for us. Today is so we can take our handful of dirt, throw it on his grave, and move on. Because that's what we all need, and that's what we deserve. My name is Chris Owen, and I am the plaintiff. I'm here on behalf of another plaintiff, my mother, Leanna Joy Owen. Lee Owen was a mother, a grandmother, a best friend, an apartment manager, and a dancing granny. The reason none of the witnesses saw her in this courtroom is because she was executed by a child-killing sex offender. Yeah, because she was executed by a child-killing sex offender. Just don't forget that his track record in all the crimes he was found guilty of in the past, the felonies lasting, what, a couple of decades, led to a moment where they gave him a slap on the wrist and threw him back out on the street after committing a crime, of which he should not have been on the street. One part of Chris Owen's statement, I think, needs to resonate today as we hear some of the different statements on behalf of Daryl Brooks and his behalf, where people come in and say, okay, it's mental illness is problem. No, uh, Chris Owens, I think, summed it up best as part of it. Uh, can we play clip number 10? Do we have that one ready? Maybe not. I, I kind of sprung that on him pretty quick. But at the very end of the speech, it's talking about the failures of the system and who they really failed. This is clip 10. I saw a pure, unrepentant evil in your face that day. And it disgusts me that you are allowed to exist. And I know the answer to the question that everyone keeps asking. I know why you did this. You did this simply because you were not in a cage. That is what I find mind-boggling. And how dare anyone say the system failed him. The system failed every one of us whose only mistake was to bring their families in the vicinity of Mr. Brooks. <sighs> that poor excuse for a man should not have been on the streets. That is the 100%. failure, period. That's the failure. The, the failure is he shouldn't have been on the street. The accountability of those that allowed him to go back there and supported the efforts to get him back there needs to be reevaluated uh, uh, fully.
the motivations of why they would do something like that. I, th- I think it's important to point out he really hasn't shown remorse. The only time I've seen any remorse is when he knows he's about to get sentenced and put away for the rest of his life. He cried when a statement came out here, not from the victims who are describing the moments of coming into court and watching videos of their family members and their friends be murdered and have to watch the video of it happening again and to discuss it as Daryl Brooks cross-examined them, saying questions like, well, how do you know that's your friend? How do you know that's your mom? How do you know that's your grandma? And to the victims having to watch this to say, wow, we have to be put through all of this. And here you are showing absolutely no remorse today. This is their day to get their peace, to know that he'll be gone forever. And, you know, I I don't think the peace will come until, like that one victim said, he's dancing on his grave. And I don't think that's too rough to say at a moment like this. As we watch the courtroom, I don't think there's too many statements that are lined up, ready to go on behalf of Daryl Brooks. I believe the prosecution asked for one more statement on the victim's side because there was a disruption yesterday. I haven't seen that statement read yet, but if that does happen, it could mean there's one or two more statements left. After that, we don't know if they're going to take a break of the court or if the sentencing will happen right after, but Judge Darrow will put that out, and we're going to broadcast that live here on WTMJ, so you're not going to want to miss it. I'm hoping that happens here within the next 20 minutes or so, 15 minutes or so. So you're not going to want to go anywhere. Watching some more statements in the courtroom today for Dale Brooks. That's the big breaking news. They started this right around noon or so. The judge addressed the court and said... Well, is there any business we need to take care of? Okay, let's go to statements. Uh, right now, Michelle Allworth is speaking on behalf of Daryl Brooks, who is crying. I mean, he's he's crying, real crying. And watching this, she, I don't know exactly the relation. She came in and said, um, Daryl Brooks was my best friend. And she's talking about cerebral palsy and some of the difficulties she had with that, which um, really made Daryl Brooks start crying. And I got to tell you, all of this is so unmoving to me. He is so phony, and I I think about all the family members that lost a loved one, a family broken apart because he drove an SUV through the parade route in Waukesha, and he showed no emotion when they were describing their bodies being ripped apart and dragged across the pavement. He showed no emotion when they talked about them waking up screaming because of the trauma that was presented to them. He showed no remorse when he was cross-examining some of these people and trying to make a point, well, their body was mangled. How did you know it was them when testifying on... It, 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 no remorse then. But, oh, okay, one of your friends came in, and, oh, it's so good to see your friend again. You start crying for that. What a monster. No remorse, not sorry, Even during his closing statements, he said he has no remorse. And he tried to make this point that, you know, one day we'll look back at all of this and, you know, uh, let's let's move all of this past. I'm a victim here, too. I'm going to probably lose the rest of my life. And, you know, he tried to sentence himself that way. I think Daryl Brooks is speaking right now to the court. Wow. All right. So that was, oh, boy, a lot of... I really don't know how to put this. I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm Ryan Recker, and Daryl Brooks is still a monster. I don't care what he says here. 
He is still one of the worst human beings that you'll probably see or even listen to. Him reading off his manifesto at the end changes nothing for anyone. I think it's as simple as that. Uh, I wrote down some notes of Daryl Brooks in court here. A few things he mentioned. Um, He said, starting first by giving glory to God, and then he recited essentially what I think a lot of people would refer to as the Apostles' Creed or some of the ideas inside of that. He said that uh, regarding his conscience being clean, he's thought about it. Victims have the rights to feel the way they feel. He made a decision to rededicate himself after the murders. And here he is there giving side eye to prosecutors and other people inside of the courtroom, and he's rambled on and on and on and on. And I'm trying to figure this out. It's essentially a manifesto that he is using as a delay tactic. I was just waiting for Judge Darrow to step in and say, all right, let's wrap this up. Uh, She's been a fantastic judge. I think she's gone above and beyond. She's done everything you can possibly ask of her. And because of that, she... I think, has the most patience anyone could possibly have for a guy like Daryl Brooks. That's it. I would love to see her step in and say, all right, okay, you you, you got to wrap this up. You've had enough time here. Because uh, I don't want him filibustering here like it's this, you know, house floor and they're trying to, you know, Strom Thurmond this. I don't want to see that happen. He showed some emotion in his face through some of this. And, you know, he says he apologized for some of the outbursts inside of the court. I still truly do not believe he is remorseful for the murders he committed. I don't believe he is remorseful for the damage he conflicted on a community, the bodily damage he convicted on all these other victims that went to the hospital. I really don't think he has remorse for that. I think he looks at it as, you know, I'm all good because I cried in prison, so we're fine. See ya. Uh, you, you haven't seen my tears, he says. Oh, you don't know what it's like in my mind and in my heart. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying a second of it. And it's not changing any ways I feel about him. I don't know if he's doing this because he thinks a little sympathy will go a long way in the coverage or whatever happens after this. But everyone knows how this is going to end. He mentions that his life is being dissected on TV and in social media. And at this point, he's got nothing left to hide from. I want to go back to some of the comments I've seen on the text line. And you can message these, too, if you want to text in. But I've seen a lot of the text messages coming in. And some people very angry that we were even given a a moment of airtime for this monster. Uh, The text line, 855-616-1620. And I'm looking through some of this. And it says, I'm not sure why we got to listen to this guy's life story because it should have been played out in court. You're right. He tried to bring some of this out there, too. You know, he talked about uh, my dad wasn't there and my mom did the best she could. And none of this, again, impacts the way I feel about him. And he's still talking. He's still talking. He mentioned that, well, let's see, what else did I write down? I, I took some notes for this. My decision to rededicate his life after the murder said he's repented, so... Uh, This goes hand-in-hand with his grandma's statement, his mom's statement, the ones that came on earlier today, essentially saying that, you know, blame the mental illness, don't blame the guy, they should spare him of the punishment, none of which will ever happen and should happen. None of that even should be remotely happening at a point like this. Uh, One person just texted it in, I think he committed hate crimes, I think he should 
Uh, and I think he would do it again if he had the chance. You know what? That might be the best, most telling thing of all of this. He was given how many chances? Um, he was recycled back onto the street. How many different times? How many felonies did he commit? How many sexual crimes against children did he commit? Um, abandoning his children. How many violent crimes did he commit? Even leading up to the parade in Waukesha when he shouldn't have been on the street to begin with, the lenient crimes. People even pointing out they were creating uh, funds to get him out of prison, the bail bonds. They looked at this and from the very beginning. People were sympathetic with him, and, and they say, well, we have to be sympathetic for people because what? No, I, I'm just not buying it. It's not a valid excuse, and everything that we've seen and everything that's been through court and all the victims and everything they've been through, they have no reasonable expectation to feel any way he wants them to feel. And they have no duty to take into account that he, quote-unquote, cries, uh, you haven't seen his tears or whatever. They don't have to take that into account. None of this matters. He doesn't matter. Um, One person said, yes, Brooks did evil acts, uh, yet no human is a monster. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that would disagree with you on this one. She's not wearing a mask right now. That was something else that was interesting. So when one of his witnesses, his character witnesses, came on, Michelle Allworth, I think he took the mask off at that point, right around there. Someone that said there was a former girlfriend or someone, best friend or something like that. So that was part of it, too. Uh, I'm looking at, really, a lot of shame at this point. Um, I just don't feel like he has that remorse in his heart. I don't feel he ever will. And the best texting comment we've had so far is that if they were to put him back out, you know he would do the same thing over again. Would you have any doubt in your mind he would go and live a clean life the rest of his life? Not a chance he would. Not a chance. I didn't exactly know where this coverage would go, and I'm really surprised that the judge is allowing Daryl Brooks to continue to talk here. I really am. I had all kinds of things planned on the show today, and maybe it's best that we let the victims be the last word in all of this. Man, I really wish the judge would step in. I'm I'm watching the coverage thinking to myself, Judge Dora, please, please just step in and tell him to wrap it up because he's going to talk until he collapses on the floor if you would let him. It's just the way it would go. You know, a couple of other things we're going to talk about on the show today, so maybe we can just get that out there. Of course, the big announcement from Mar-a-Lago last night, former President Trump came out and announced that he's filed the paperwork. He's running for re-election again. There's a lot of reaction to that and lack of reaction. There's another story that I saw locally here that was quite fascinating. If you have a disability, how hard is it to go through the crosswalks in Milwaukee? Is it very difficult? Yeah. Well, they actually tell the story of one person how difficult it is for them when there's not a light or something that could dictate, because not everyone stops. You know how people drive in Milwaukee, how that works out. I wanted to read some of these other headlines that are going on. Twitter and Elon Musk. Um, I wanted to give an alternate way to look at the turmoil in Twitter. What was going on, and I was reading some headlines, I think that Elon Musk mentioned that he's going to step aside in the way that he's running Twitter. But I want to raise a point that I think is an important one because it could relate to anyone that has a job today. If you were to go on social media and trash your boss and talk about what a terrible person he is, <laughs> do you think you keep your job too? 
I mean, how many people and how many times do you have to see on social media the ex-employees of Twitter criticize what a terrible human being their boss is, and then they're shocked when they lose their job. Seriously. So we can talk about that a little bit later in the show, too. Uh, and I wanted to talk about free speech. There was an article that was written about Jerry Springer. If you remember that show that dates back to the 90s and 2000s, he was the former mayor of Cincinnati, I think, before he became an entertainer. Is that right? I believe it was Cincinnati. And he created this basic trash television show, and he's now apologizing for ruining our culture. Did Jerry Springer ruin everything? So all of these things I think will be important to get to. I almost feel like it would be a good idea to go to break a little bit early, just in case Daryl Brooks wraps up. I don't anticipate he will, but I want to make sure we have enough time to hear the comments from Judge Darrow when that happens, and I don't want to be too rushed when it does, and I would be remiss if we don't at least get her statements out before reading that sentencing. I really hope that she has a line in there that could represent everyone here that's been watching from the outside. You know, Billy Madison at the end where the person says, uh, everything you've said is complete nonsense. Um, may God have mercy on your soul. You know, one of those moments, I, I really hope that the judge has that when reading the sentence, because that needs to really be the last word. So let's go to break uh, a little bit early. We're just a few minutes early, but that's okay. I want to just make sure we have enough time if she does start her statement. So... Let's do this. If you want to text in any comments, 855-616-1620. You can call in as well, 855-616-1620. Just waiting on the sentencing for Dale Brooks. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. Looking at some of these text messages coming in, and, yeah, you can comment on the show, too. You can bring your text messages in. I would like to hear them on the WTMJ talk and text line, 855-616-1620. I see a lot of you know, comments like, can't they shut him up? He's making no sense at all. Yeah, well, he's still speaking. Um, I would love to see the judge step in and say, let's wrap this up. It'll come on here. All right. Uh, maybe put it down in your letter if you want to write a letter or pen something, then fine. We shouldn't have to sit here and deal with it right now. One person said, uh, what a loser. Okay. One person said, uh, why are you giving him airtime? This is a common thing that I've noticed on the text line, and I I think it's worth maybe addressing this, and a lot of people have pointed out. Like one person said, I can't listen to this anymore. It's just hard for them to hear him try to justify and still at this point show no remorse. He can go out and he can say that you don't know what's in my heart, so you don't know... Uh, that I'm not unremorseful. So he's trying to play off to say that the unknowns here give him the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt here. He doesn't deserve any sympathy. He doesn't deserve to even breathe the same air as you at this point. I look at all the text message wondering why we were airing this, but I got to say, this is absolutely a huge news event. It's something that the community and you have been paying attention to for the past year. And it's a moment where justice will be served for all those victims in Waukesha that have to, every single day, um, deal with the ramifications of losing a loved one or have their life changed. You know, some of this is they lost a grandmother, a mother, they lost a child. 
some children who were injured in this parade. They even had their moments of statements to the court and said, I'm not going to be able to play sports anymore because he injured me so badly. Um, that's how my life's changed. And though they may not have lost a life, they've lost other things in their life, too. Uh, the safety of feeling in a place like that, um, they, they've lost that. And I think they deserve to have this moment where they see the look on his face as his life's flushed down the toilet where it deserves to go at this point. Um, some other text message. And, and, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm being too harsh at all. I think I'm being realistic. They've been flashing back and forth to Judge Darrow, and at this point, we haven't really seen much emotion on her face either. Uh, but she's got to wrap this up. I'd I just love to see her say, okay, we've, we've had enough. One person texted in, if Darrow suddenly lays into him, it might actually be worth it to hear his nonsense. Okay. Now, I, I, at this point, you want to uh, avoid some of the drama. Another text message that said, uh, I think he committed hate crimes. Okay. One person said, this also falls on mother's shoulders. She allowed him to drive her car. No license uninsured, or is it uninsured? Uh, if she had done the correct parenting that day, this would have never had happened. I wonder if there should be ramifications to the mother. I honestly do. I, I wonder because given everything she knew about her son, her instabi- the instability, the mental issues, the long track record with crime, the other problems he's had with other people, being able to loan the car out and know that he doesn't have the proper license to do so or the insurance to allow him to do that? Should there be ramifications for the mom? I don't think it's a bad question to ask. All right, let's go to the phone lines real quick. And I believe Dennis from the South Side is calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call today. You know, this guy basically, he's just engaged in a filibuster. He's doing what he's been trying to do the entire the entire time uh, of this trial. He's just wasting the time trying to keep himself from going wherever he's needing to go. And, and I really believe the reason why the judge is allowing him the time that she has is, is the same reason she has all the way through. She's trying to avoid him being able to get any sort of reason for a mistrial. Hmm. You know, I actually think that this works against him. For a, for a, uh, well, yeah, yeah. It, it certainly does. You know, But I, I'm just saying it. I think that that's her reasoning for letting him go as long as she has. It's not to say that she won't pull the plug at some point, but, you know, again, she just doesn't want to give him any chance. It's, it's bad enough that he's going to be going for an appeal, but you certainly don't want him getting a mistrial. No, no, not at all. All right, thank you very much for the call, Dennis. But I think when there is an appeal or there's any other case that's brought up after the fact, I think they can point that he is competent. He was able to represent himself and found competent to represent himself, and they can play these statements to show that, yeah, yeah, he's fully capable and he knew exactly what he was doing the whole time. Let's go to Stan from McHenry. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Hi. So... During his little dissertation, he made this comment about he lost control or was not able to control himself the day he drove the car into all those people. You know, that was good that he said that because that's an admission to the crime that he committed on everybody. And I would like to say that this guy, you know, and people like him are always being portrayed as these victims. 
And he's not a victim. He's a product. He's a product of that family, his immediate family, and he's a product of the legal system in Milwaukee that had many a times to get him under control when he was out of control, and they opted to let him back out in the streets, and I think they need to take responsibility for that too. Um, going forward, I think we really need to learn from all of this and get this victim crap out of our heads and start seeing these guys for what they are. How many chances did he get? I mean, if I remember correctly, it was like, how many felonies had he had under his belt at this point? And then even leading up to this one, it's not like it's unheard of that he's committed crimes similar to this. I mean, we're talking even sexual crimes on minors. Um, he is not a good dude leading into this. I don't know why they would just allow him to get right back on. And then, you know, even, what was it, a $1,000 bail? So posting something so insignificant compared to the crimes that he's committed, the ability yeah. for a person to vouch for you, to post that on your behalf, seems to me that you have some bearing of responsibility. I, I look at, too, all the different things that failed in the system. It didn't fail Daryl Brooks. It failed all of those people that lost their life in Waukesha. That's what it failed. And that's the way it should be looked at. Daryl Brooks is not a victim here. Thank you for the call. I, I do appreciate that. Um, one person messaged... Uh, he'll have plenty of that in prison. I think you can assume what he uh, meant by that, and I'm sure that prison will not treat him well. Uh, one person texted in, I have no pity for that evil man. I raised my kids by myself, and they are decent individuals. No excuses for him. He is a killer with no remorse. How about this? Uh, I wanted to think about all the instances where grandparents step in to help the grandkids. I've known that. You probably have seen instances, too, where the parents have a difficult time keeping up responsibility of the kids so the grandparents step in because they want to do what's best for their grandkids. So if we, we're talking about this grandma that apparently lives in Detroit uh, and is a big you know, p pastor of the church and is a you know, community leader and all of these things. When your family was in disorder, you're telling me that you thought it was more important to what? To uh, stay in Detroit, not help your grandkids? I mean... I've seen so many different grandparents step in and change the trajectory of their grandkids' life because their parents were having issues. And all of those grandparents that have done that are doing great work, and they're doing it because they understand the importance of family and the role that they play. And sometimes they're projected into a role they didn't understand, but they knew it was an important one because the number one priority for them were their kids and their grandkids. But it looks like he's out there blaming his dad who disappeared, but I think the mom and grandma, too, gotten to the point where maybe they didn't have that same priority. And I, th there's a lot to blame here. And it just makes me angry when I think they try to shift the blame away from him to say he's clumped in as a victim in all of this, and we should feel sorry for him. That is absolutely not the mindset that we should have. Uh, you know, we aired about 20, 25 minutes of Daryl Brooks's statement to the court. He's still going. He's coming up close to an hour of addressing the court. We're at about the 50-minute mark or so. We aired some of it, but we didn't air all of it. What we're waiting for is Judge Darrow to take over, have her final statement, and then read the sentencing portion of it. We will take that live. And again, it's going to be here on WTMJ. The WTMJ Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Daryl Brooks is still addressing the court, but at this point, he's uh, 
whatever he's saying, it's not worth listening to. So what we're going to do is wait for Judge Darrow to take over, and then we'll pick it back up from there for his sentencing. So we'll get that in the background, and we'll let you know how that's going. I don't exactly know where to go from here. I, I, it's tough when you're trying to schedule a show and you have breaking news that happens during the course of the show because it kind of throws everything off. How about I talk about Twitter for a moment? I think it might be worth bringing this up because there's been so much attention on the social media platform. Have you been using Twitter as usual? Have you noticed much of a change over the last two weeks? Have you noticed it being more fun? Has it been more hectic? Has it been more crazy? Is is Twitter just the same place it's ever, it's always been? I have continued to use it at the same frequency, and I can't say that I've noticed a huge difference in the way it operates. I do think that you see people doing more mockery on Twitter, making fun of it which is allowed, and that's what's done. But what you've noticed is that the person that bought the social media platform, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, goes in and he makes some immediate changes. He says, number one, we're losing like $4 million a day. We're going to have to cut our staff in half. There were some mass layoffs that went on at Twitter. Now, they're not the only social media platform to do so. You know, Facebook, and um, that's a big one, Amazon, said to have been letting off, what, 10,000 people? I don't know if that's officially happened, but there was reports that it was going to happen. But a lot of these tech companies that are primarily based in California are finding that they can't keep up with things right now. And, of course, times are tough. Inflation is bad. People aren't spending as much. And even ad revenue uh, is, is not what it used to be. So you have these big tech companies, the things that they rely on, they just can't keep up with it. Not necessarily a great indication that the economy is going great when at one time they were hiring like crazy and now they're firing like crazy. So Elon Musk goes in and says, OK, we got to stop losing all this money. He finds himself firing half for the staff and then the staff that's left over not too happy with the way things are being run. They don't like Elon Musk, I think, as a personality, as a person. They know the way that he handles things. When you're the richest person in the world, people hate you just for that alone. Uh, regardless of what you do or say, they just don't like that you're wealthy. That I mean, that's a part of it, too. Uh, some don't like his comments in California in the past or the tech industry, or at least that trying to make changes to a platform they've worked on for so long. So Elon Musk comes in and says, let's take some pictures and show people what it's like inside of the home base of Twitter. Like He goes in there, and he's saying, we offered free meals to these people, like in morning and afternoon. And he said there were more meals being prepared than there were people inside of the building. I mean, that's kind of wasteful in its own. He's like, there's not even people working in the office, and we're preparing meals. Uh, there's more workers in the cafeteria than there is inside of the desks and cubicles. He goes around and he said, okay, here's like the main office area, and there's ping pong tables, and there's things like sleep pods. Uh, have you ever been to a place of employment where they have dedicated sleep pods? <laughs> and you may be thinking, wait, what do you mean sleep pods? No, like areas where they can go take a nap. If, if they get a little sleepy-weepy during the day, places they can just go and be alone and, you know, get a couple of winks. And you may be think, wow, that sounds great. That's wonderful. I think this all plays into the atmosphere that a lot of these tech companies have, the atmosphere that they're treated with kid gloves. They're catered to because they're looked at as just, you know, so important, kind of like if their parents coddled them their entire life, that their employer are going to ultimately have to treat them the same way to keep them interested in continuing to work. And Elon Musk isn't that type of guy. He goes in and says, uh, we're not playing that game. <laughs> we're not playing it at all.
you're going to have to put in some honest day's work. And I think that is going to upset a lot of people that work there. Like there was this one story that came out today from eGadget. Elon Musk gives employees two days to commit to, quote, hardcore Twitter or lose their jobs. He is reminding the staff that, you know, it's not going to be a fluff job anymore. This idea that you can sneak away for half the day and take a nap and be coddled to just doesn't work when you're a company that is trying to make money. Because if you want to have a job, you have to contribute to that job the best you can. So it's not exactly clear what exactly hardcore work means, but I think if they compare it to the way that they were in the past, probably unsupervised (laughs) and treated like children, then yeah, children at nap time. Everybody lay out your little carpet on the ground and have yourself a a nice little snack and apple juice as the kind of mentality I'm thinking. And then the other side of it is he'll find people criticizing him on Twitter and say, okay, that's it, you're gone, see you later. Uh, People are upset, too. Uh, It says Elon Musk fires Twitter employees after ordering their tweets and messages scoured for criticism in a report. And they're upset about that, too. People look at that and say, oh, Elon Musk, he can't take a joke. Oh, can you believe how sensitive and frail this guy's ego is? He can't take a joke. I think it goes a little beyond this. How many people have jobs right now that if you were to go in public and criticize your boss and said, what a terrible human being he is. By the way, he's, he's signing my paycheck. But what a terrible human being he is, not only for us, but for the entire planet. And I hate him so much. How many of you would still have your job after making that public declaration? Seriously. You got a blue-collar job, and you're working hard, and you've worked hard your entire life. Or maybe you're retired, and you spent a lot of time on an assembly line, and you did honest work. I mean, salt of the earth, honest work. And you're looking at these coddled kids that are crying because they trashed their boss in public and didn't like the idea they couldn't take naps at work anymore. You're laughing at them, right? I mean, I'm laughing at that and saying, okay, time to time to figure out how the real world works. When times when everyone else is cutting... They know who they're going to cut, the ones that take naps at work. <laughs> those are the ones that are going to get cut first, and those are the ones that are getting cut. The ones that just talk about how terrible your boss is, yeah, those are the ones that are going to get considered lost. This reminds me of that moment in Zoolander. Do you remember that movie where Ben Stiller is the supermodel and Owen Wilson is the supermodel? And he's trying to find himself, Ben Stiller is. So he goes back to his dad and says, you know what? Maybe the supermodel thing ain't for me. I want to join you in the coal mine. So he goes down there in, like, designer clothing, and he's, like, r- like runway walking down with his pickaxe. <laughs> he goes in there, and he's, like, so pathetically <laughs> using his pickaxe to try to get some coal off the side of the wall or whatever. And then when it's all over, he comes back out, and he's like, <laughs> I think I have the, the black lung. And Everyone's laughing at him, and his dad is so embarrassed because you know he hasn't put an honest day of work ever in. That's how I envision Twitter workers right now. I I guess I have a different way of looking at it. All the people that are firing off on Elon Musk right now, I look and say, no, they probably had it coming. 855-616-1620 is the number. I'm not too concerned with it. I mean, seriously, can anyone have a story where they trashed their boss in public, the person that pays... Their uh, or signs their paycheck. Does anyone have a story where they just went completely berserk and still kept their job? 
I, I don't think it exists in real life. 855-616-1620. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Jeff Wagner and WTMJ. I'm watching the Daryl Brooks trial inside of the courtroom, and he's still talking, so it's been over an hour by now. I was hoping the judge would step in, but not. We are going to cover the sentencing live on WTMJ, but, yeah, I mean, he's had more than enough to say on the air here. And from the comments I'm reading, he hasn't said anything of substance since then, so you're not missing anything. We just want to see the point where uh, it is all put into closure, and finally the sentencing happens. We'll bring that to you once it does. And I think I'm going to talk to Alex Crow once he leaves the courtroom, and I hope we get to do that at some point during the show, as long as Daryl doesn't keep... Uh, filibustering at this point. So I bring up the question about your own workplace. The idea, and I I take a different look at this whole Elon Musk thing, is everyone is dumping on Elon Musk and what a terrible person he is. And oh, Yeah, there's been a lot of turmoil the last two weeks at Twitter. He's tried to implement changes that have fallen flat on its face. He's uh, made some bad decisions, and then he reverses course like a day later. He's running fast and loose with a lot of the decision-making that's going on with Twitter. So I can imagine that the people that work there are like, whoa, what's going on here? But let's be honest. If you at your job were to criticize your boss in public and say what a terrible person they are, do you think you would keep your job? I don't think you would. (laughs) I don't know what kind of expectation these people have when they're just completely shocked after they just said, oh, he's the worst human being on the planet. Um, I can't believe he just fired me for saying that. 855-616-1620 is the WTMJ talk and text line. Uh, Here's some text messages that came in. Yeah, a lot of people don't like their boss or have to work hard. Welcome to the real world. (laughs) Don, good. Uh, One person said, so apparently tech jobs aren't real jobs. And some didn't get fired on Twitter for criticizing him. No, a lot of them got fired because they were losing so much money and well overstaffed. I think some of it was maybe they closed complete divisions that he saw as unnecessary. Some they saw made bad decisions to begin with. Uh, But sure, yeah, some of them, good luck getting a job somewhere else. That's fine. I think that's basically what he said. He said, okay, you're... You're so valuable, you can get a job somewhere else. But, hey, when all these other tech companies are dropping, too, then I don't know what your skill set is. I don't know how you can put it on your resume that you require a daily nap and let that fly at your next position. One person said, I would never trash my boss in public, and I think he has a good point about the sleep pods. But if I found out he was buying my place of employment, I would spend the upcoming weekend updating my resume and job hunting. Now, that's what a responsible person would do. If you disagree with the direction your work is going and you don't like the boss, then what do you do? You, you can leave. I mean, that's, that's like your freedom to do so. I guess there's some instances where you may be contracted. I don't know what that's like in California. They have some pretty liberal laws where you can normally get out of those things or it's not really legally binding. But I guess they would let you out if they're firing a lot of people. This one person said um, it does exist. I've seen it firsthand. Oh, this is sometimes people flipping out at work in their boss and still keeping their job. Uh, the only difference was, thanks to nepotism, there was no consequences. Oh, so I, I stand corrected here. So there are instances where you can talk trash about your boss because your boss might be your mom or dad, <laughs> and they won't fire you as a child. Okay, I stand corrected. You found a great example of when something like that might actually play out. 
One person said the things that these people are complaining about are unfortunately representative of the work situation in our country and exactly why we have become so non-productive in the world and causing the supply chain issues that we have. Well, that's kind of interesting. I think there's a lot of instances that you can point to and reasons why we're having problems with the supply chain. I don't know how much of it is the actual workers themselves at some of these places. They're, I mean, hardworking people at, like, these docks and people that are shipping, driving truck. I think where you find some of the problem is these companies. Like, for example, I'll, I'll give you one example. I have a buddy who drives truck, and he is not the person that unloads the truck. It's very clear that that's not his responsibility. But he'll sometimes show up to drop off a load, and there'll be no one there to unload it. And they'll say, oh, hey, can you do it? That causes problems because the proper staffing's not in place at these places he's doing deliveries to. And now he's out the time and the energy, and he doesn't get extra money for doing a job he shouldn't have been doing to begin with. So, no, I get that. There could be delays in situations, but it has no lack of hard work by some of these people that are in there. It just could be lack of staffing, uh, some of these places taking advantage of other people. That could very well be a situation there. One person said, I have a job where I uh, don't have to criticize my boss, but if I do use my vehicle and have a company name on the vehicle, and I frequently run into people who work for the company and talk bad about the boss that I'm working for, that yeah, that would reflect poorly on you. 855-616-1620 is the number. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're going to take a couple of quick phone calls here on the WTMJ talk and text line, 855 616 one six twenty is the number. Let's go to Bob. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hey Ryan. Good afternoon. So, I told the screener about a book that I read many years ago, written about or by a guy by the name of Al Dunlap, and his name nickname was Chainsaw Al. And the name of the book was How to Make Bad Businesses Good and Good Businesses Better. He would go into a business that was in the red, and uh, he would simply start eliminating people or departments that weren't producing for the company. And he, they called him Chainsaw because he didn't really take a look at if a guy was retiring in three days uh, and would lose his pension, you know, if he got fired. He just fired him. And, uh, you know, he did a great job for many companies, and it included white-collar workers, people that, you know, would, would jet from Europe to New York for business meeting. And he'd say, what do you contribute to the company? And he said, well, I advise. And he said, well, we don't need to advise. And, you know, they'd save hundreds of thousands of dollars just by eliminating that one guy. That, that didn't produce. Um, and that's what Elon Musk is doing. He's taking a look at these snowflakes and saying, you know, either, you know, get to work and make money for the company or, or, or leave. Yeah, and I think that's very common. And I think some of them have even been given the opportunity to prove you can work hard. That's what they're doing right now. Thank you for the call. Uh, Dave is calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Hello, Dave. Hi, Ryan. Uh, this reminds me, Marquette had an employee, a professor, Steve McAdams, who uh, ran a website criticizing Marquette for years and spoke out publicly against Marquette all the time. And then he got into a tip with a student. He was charged with doxing a student, and the Wisconsin Institute of Liberty took on the case, took it to the Supreme Court, and saved his job, claiming it was a First Amendment right. But my whole thing was, how could Marquette not fire this guy with cause? They fired him, and that's why he went to the Supreme Court to win back his job. But he was a ridiculous employee. I mean, why? when do employees run a company? You know what I mean? I mean, when do they own? Um, I mean, it was terrible. This guy yeah. was just, he was such a, he was terrible. 
I get when it. Marquette was forced to hire, hire him back, they'd make him uh, like a maintenance guy or something. You know, just I get, get it. Thank you payroll. for the call, Dave. Yeah, that's that's a whole different story. College universities are notorious for continuing to employ people that shouldn't, and then when there's justification not being allowed to, it's just something else. It reminds me of the auto unions in Detroit. There was that one operation where they caught the workers smoking weed. Uh, they would leave the Ford line, go smoke during their lunch break, come back, and they weren't allowed to fire them because the union upheld it. I was like, how in the world can that not be justified? All right, we got another hour coming up, and we're continuing to keep an eye on the Daryl Brooks case. Don't go anywhere on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Happy to be here for another hour. The WTMJ Talk and Text line is 855-616-1620. To give you a recap of what happened earlier, about noon, they started the proceedings in the courtroom. They were going to read a few more victim impact statements, but in this case, they had a few people come on behalf of Daryl Brooks. I think his mom and his grandma and then a former friend. Uh, I don't exactly know the relationship there, but they played the videos. They were doing them remotely. Daryl Brooks then stood up and had an opportunity to address the court. That was at about 1240-ish, 1235, 1240-ish, right around there. And now here we are at 208, and he's still going. And um, a lot of this is just complete nonsense. I was reading some of the comments and trying to look at some of the captions to get an idea of what he's talking about, but it's so easy to turn him off at this point. Uh, it, just put it into a manifesto and be done with it or tell his cellmate at this point one person said the crowd inside of the courtroom is going to stand up and cheer when he's done because they'll be so happy he closed his mouth so he's been going for over an hour and a half at this point and continuing on but what we want to do is air the sentencing with judge darrow when that happens so when he's finished i don't know if the judge will say we're going to take a quick break or might just say you know what let's wrap this up okay i'm going to say my thing here's the sentencing see ya and be done there but either way, we will bring that to you on WTMJ. Last night in Mar-a-Lago, former President Donald J. Trump made his announcement that he filed the paperwork just a little bit before 8 o'clock Central. And then, you know, I don't know what time it was, 8.20, I did not actually watch the rally. I decided I did not want to, nor did I want to spend time doing that. But if you missed it as well, here's clip number four. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. And there it was. He said that he was going to be hoping to run things again back when things were thriving in the United States, not when things were, well, the way they are right now. Not so great. I was looking at some of the commentaries and some of the ways people were depicting the speech from last night. Some people called it low energy. They called it teleprompter Trump. Now, if you remember back when he was president, there was like two different versions of it. You could get the off the cuff says something crazy guy, or you can get the teleprompter guy who actually gives a pretty good speech when it's a teleprompter guy. They were looking for the crazy guy, but they got the teleprompter guy last night. Uh, one person also mentioned it was a very dark message from the former president. This is from CNN, a reporter last night, clip number one. 
But if this speech is any indication of what his campaign is going to look like, it is going to be very divisive and very dark. This was not your traditional campaign launch presidential speech where you talk about hope and change and coming into the country and, and vibrancy. This was a very dark speech. Yeah. Okay. Part of the idea of it being a dark speech is that, hey, things are really bad right now, right? I mean, that's just the nature of uh, it being dark. Another clip from CNN last night. This is former Defense Secretary Mark Esper on really where things are starting to fall apart. Clip two. I, I wish he wouldn't. I think he's unfit for office. Uh, I thought his remarks were very subdued and uninspiring. And I think uh, it's time for the Republican Party and, frankly, both parties to move on to a next generation of leaders and particularly the leaders that can unify our country and get us back to a, a more normal governance where we treat each other with dignity and respect. Okay, so that's the question, I think. Is it time to move on? And a lot of Republicans, people that are leaders of the party, even the uh, former vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, was on Fox News, and he basically said something similar. Uh, and I think this is kind of the approach a lot of Republicans are going to take. When we're talking about dignity, respect, things like that, I think what they want to do is find a way for him to sunset his way out. I don't think that is going to happen. Why go through all of this and announce your candidacy if you didn't want to get in there and fight some more? Uh, this is Mike Pence this morning on a Fox. Clip number three. I honestly believe uh, that uh, we'll have better choices come 2024. You know, I, I don't think anybody better could have... Better choices than Donald Trump? Uh, I do. I, I don't think anyone could have beaten Hillary Clinton other than Donald Trump in 2016. I write that in my new book. Mm -hmm. um, I learned that on the campaign trail with him in 2016. And the record that we created that I know he reflected uh, on last night, uh, where we rebuilt our military, revived our economy, secured our border, appointed conservatives to our courts at every level, is something that uh, I'll always be proud of. So it's the... I think that's the stance that you'll find a lot of Republicans are taking. When the president jumps back in, they're like, okay, do I really want to get in the mud with him? Start all of this over again back like in 2016. Do I really want him to come up with a nickname for me so people can call me that on social media for two years? Do I really want to do that? I don't know how scorched earth Donald Trump will go this time around. As in, he put all in in 2016. I mean, he put it all in. And you know what? The bet paid off for him. Speaking of bets, I was looking at some Vegas odds of who the next president of the United States will be. So between Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, Pete Buttigieg. I'm going to give you those six names, okay? Because those are some of the top ones on the list right now. Who do you think has the best odds of becoming the president, according to Vegas? I'll give you those odds after the break. And let's open it up to you. Uh, 855-616-1620. Do you think he's got a shot at this? Do you care? Do you, are you happy that he's back at it? And I wanted to read some headlines that we've seen so far. I, I was really hoping he wouldn't run for re-election. Personally, I, it is time for the Republicans to move away from Donald Trump. And, and I think that's very clear. And I think they do have some really strong candidates, Ron DeSantis being one of them. But it, it goes to show you that maybe there's a little bit left in the tank. I don't think he has the ability to do it again. But then again, I didn't think he had the ability to do it the first time. 855-616-1620, the WTMJ talk and text line. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Don't go anywhere. 
some of these text messages coming in regarding the Trump announcement from last night. Uh, one person said Donald Trump is an extreme narcissist who's shown loyalty to no one, especially the mainstream Republican Party, and he wasn't a Republican. Until 2015, he hijacked the party from a multitude of younger, better candidates for president. Who were the top candidates that were younger? So Ted Cruz would have been the main competitor, and he is younger. And he is young. I mean, a lot younger than Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any oh man, how many other people on the Democratic side? Uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, some of these other names. Uh, Rand Paul, he's also very young, but I don't think he was considered as a main contender. I really like Rand Paul, by the way. And outside of that, um, Tim Scott. But I'm trying to think of some of the young Republicans that may consider running for president. I guess Ron DeSantis is easily the number one front runner. Looking at the betting odds, here's the order that Vegas believes has the best odds of becoming the next president of the United States. Number one, Ron DeSantis. Number two, Donald Trump. Number three, Joe Biden. Number four, tied, is Vice President Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Those are the top five. One, two, three, four, five. After that, they say Pete Buttigieg, Mike Pence, and Michelle Obama. I I don't know why they keep polling to ask if Michelle Obama should run. I I really don't know why they do that or if that's even logically happening. Uh, One person texted in, I wish Paul Ryan would run. How about that? That is a surprise for something like that. I think that Paul Ryan is going to be, um, I think Paul Ryan is going to be on tomorrow with Steve, right at the start of the show at 9 o'clock, so you're going to have to listen to Paul Ryan tomorrow. Definitely do that. 855-616-1620 is the number. Some other text messages. Uh, Ron DeSantis will win by a landslide in 2024. Another person that was from Sean. Here's from Jim. Text message. Trump's announcement virtually guarantees a Democrat will win in 2024. If he's the nominee, Democrats win. Why? Too many in the middle hate him in or think he's a criminal, thus sealing his fate. That's an interesting observation. Ron, one person texted in, Ron DeSantis, Carrie Lake ticket for 2024. No, I don't think Carrie Lake's going to be part of that. But, you know, anything could happen. On the, I'm looking at some of the other presidential odds who may be up there. Uh, Nikki Haley's on the board. Uh, Tom Cotton, Mike Pompeo. Uh, some other odds, if you were to look at the Vegas odds right now, the futures of which party will win the 2024 election. By far, Vegas says Republicans will win that office. By, by a lot, actually. Uh, independents are the long shot. I don't know. Maybe you take the independents and see what happens. One person texted in. Mark said, my guess is Kamala. I guess that could be an interesting guess. That would mean Joe Biden steps aside. I don't know if she would say, well, I'm just going to stop being vice president to run against you. And I think Joe Biden even indicated that he was going to be running. Uh, so let's take some of your calls on this. 855-616-1620. And I'm going to say something shocking to you, the listener, as a talk show host. I am tired of talking to Donald Trump. It's almost like there's instances where you're forced to talk about it. But believe me, when we went through those years where he was nonstop in the news and everyone said the ratings are being driven by Donald Trump, so you should be grateful for Donald Trump, it is exhausting. I just don't know if I am ready to talk about it for the next couple of years. I saw a colleague of mine post this on social media. Trump has filed. I think I'll change occupations. I just can't. I, uh, the next couple of years, I just can't. 
<laughs> I so sympathize with that. But as a talk show host, you think, oh, man, you would love talking about this. No, not really. And I think by the indication of not having too many people calling in right now, 855-616-1620, I think you're about ready to. But we'll take some of those calls coming in after the break on WTMJ. Still waiting on Judge Darrow to hand down the sentence for Daryl Brooks. We're monitoring that, and when that happens, we'll bring it to you on WTMJ. Take a look at your news coming up in about five minutes as well. Let's take some of your calls on the WTMJ talk and text line, 855-616-1620. The announcement last night from Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump will be running again. Uh, We just knew that would happen at some point. I guess he filed right before the announcement. Just a quick change of back then versus now from what i understand all news networks last night took the speech that he was giving with the announcement and then cut away from it as in they didn't carry the whole speech not even fox carried the whole speech that may show you there is a change there in their attitude towards him let's go to jack who's calling in welcome to wtmj go ahead oh jack are you there um yeah oh hi jack go ahead sorry yeah hello Yes, I hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so with uh, the big thing with Trump is that if everything they claimed he did, he he did, I wouldn't vote for him either, okay? But when you go back, you know, six years and all the lies they told about him, uh, the the indictments they did, you know, he's he's beat them all except that college deal. Um, And I don't know if you guys know about the college deal, but he lost that one. Um, but that was the only thing he lost. Um, there was no Russian collusion. But yet, the entire mainstream media lied about it for three and a half years. And I hate to use the word gullible, Democrats and independents believed it. They, they believed all the uh, 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 lies about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Biden is on tape saying that he told the prosecutor, you know, in, in Ukraine, they, you know, you got to fire him or you're not going to get the tax money from us. You know, that, that's quid pro quo right there. But yet nobody said anything. You should be, you know, brought up on charges on that. And then you got the Hunter Biden deal. Uh, you know, the, the, the newest one that came out was in uh, Peru, you know, trying to set up a gambling uh, Internet service mm-hmm. with his dad, you know, mm-hmm. at, at when he was the vice president. I mean, all these things that people do not pay attention to. Because it's not negative Trump, okay? To hear negative Trump, it makes it makes news, it makes talk show, people talk about it. But, you know, the, the thing everybody looks at is just look at what he did for the country, okay? Bank accounts were high, pay was high, uh, the economy was booming, gas all over the, you know, you had gas in everybody's tank at, you know, lower prices, Um there were a lot another. of good things that were happening. but So, Jack, you think he's got a pretty a good shot, good or do you think all of these different things that you mentioned will mean it's going to be hard for him? No, he's got a good shot. He's just going to have to weather the storm of all the naysayers, okay? Oh, okay. That, that's people, a big part. When, 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 you know, yeah. and when people see the uh, the rallies he has and they still get 15,000 people at him, you know, I, I think people will say, you know, maybe maybe the people still want him, you know? Okay. Thank It'll you, Jack. I appreciate that. I I think that it's almost like things have changed a little bit when it comes to the crowd sizes and the support that he was getting from before. But then again, back when he ran in 2016, he didn't have a lot of support until he became the nominee. And then the support came to rally behind the Republican Party. The common thread being that giving up the White House at a time like this would have some huge ramifications in 
Good thing he won, considering some of the things he's touting, including reforming the Supreme Court after retirements and, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing. But still, that was a huge advantage that I don't know what the courts would look like right now if it wasn't for Donald Trump being in office then. Let's go to Mike, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Good afternoon, Ryan. How are you? Good. Go ahead. So, first of all, I hope the Vegas oddsmakers are right. Um, I'd love to see Ron DeSantis get the nomination and, in fact, win. I hope Nikki Haley would be his running mate. I think they'd be a formidable combination. Um, I, I heard a little bit of Donald Trump's speech, and I thought he definitely had a different tone. I wish he would have been like that during the 2016 election and while he was president and after, you know, the election. Um, I don't know if he has a chance. Um, I'll be honest with you. If he got the nomination... I would vote for him, and specifically for the reasons, some of what that other caller said is that, you know, um, he a lot of things that they tried to pin on didn't stick. But for me, mm-hmm. it's more about his policies, and I thought he had some very good policies while he was president. And if Ron DeSantis espoused those prop, uh, policies and could, you know, hold back on some of the rhetoric that Donald Trump has, I think he's absolutely the candidate. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Mike. And I think that's a good point. If you were the candidate again, would you vote for him if you would normally vote for a Republican? I am in the camp of saying, yes, I would vote for him again if he was the candidate. But I'm here to say I'd rather Ron DeSantis be the candidate. I think that's a lot safer bet. Let's go to Randy, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Uh, Great show. I'm enjoying it. I especially like your your last uh, segment on Elon Musk, that was pretty cool. But anyhow, <laughs> okay. uh, my uh, my take is, unlike you, I've I've had enough of Donald J. Trump, and uh, I really don't feel like going through another two years of that. Um, I uh, I uh, would put my uh, pick for uh, Paul Ryan. You mentioned him in uh, some of the candidates, Ron DeSantis, definitely. Uh, but uh, enough of Trump. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing, Ryan, uh, about Donald Trump that uh, threw me off was he lied. I have no room for liars in my life. He did a lot of lying uh, oh in his presidency. Well, and, I, I tell you what, though, I, I hate to break it to you, though. Uh, politicians lie. <laughs> I know, but uh, that's a, that's the worst thing you can do uh, to me is is lie to me, mm-hmm. and uh, he did, and he was caught several times. So I I just hope uh, we don't have to go through. We just went through two years of uh, negative political uh, commercials on our TV every single day, yeah. and uh, we don't need that with Donald J. Trump. But great okay. show. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Randy, let me just tell you this, and I think you'll enjoy tomorrow. I think that Paul Ryan is scheduled with Steve at 9.05, right after the 9 o'clock news. So listen to Steve's show tomorrow, right at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, and I think you'll get Paul Ryan. Hopefully I'm not lying about that. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. All right, we'll take some more of your calls and comments and text messages at 855-616-1620. Dave Chappelle actually joked about Donald Trump over the weekend as part of his monologue on SNL. I'm going to play that to you because I thought it was hilarious. Taking some calls and text messages on the announcement from last night, Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump said he's running 2024. Some people look at this as the big showdown now between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Don versus Ron. There's some great text messages coming in. One person, I can't tell if they're serious or not, said, I want Kasich 
and Cheney ticket. <laughs> oh, man. I can't think of a worse ticket. Well, I'm sure there's worse. But that's a pretty bad one. I can't tell if you're serious or not. Maybe you are serious, and I'm sorry for laughing at it. But, oh, boy, that's not my uh, cup of tea at all. 855-616-1620. One person said they want anyone but an old white man. Okay. Another person texting in says that don't want to see Trump and his family back in the White House. One person said Biden said he's running. <laughs> he can't even walk. Oh, no. <laughs> His text message is coming in. Oh, boy. One person said, I'd like to see Paul Ryan start getting back into politics. So while there are a lot of people right now that are mentioning uh, Paul Ryan, okay? Uh, all politicians lie, exactly. Okay, that's what one other person said. One person wants examples of Trump lying. He did not. One person said, the only thing Paul Ryan is winning would be something here in Wisconsin, and that would even be iffy. And one person said, I'm also done with Trump. He was a great president, but not so much a good person. Ron DeSantis, 2024. You got to go for Ron. I agree. I, I tend to agree with that. You got to go with Ron DeSantis in a moment like this. So this weekend on Saturday Night Live, Dave Chappelle was the host. Um, I thought it was genius, his monologue. This is what we found out, by the way. There were writers that said, if Dave Chappelle's going to be hosting the show, I want nothing to do with it. So they left. And they do a dress rehearsal where they go through all the sketches and then finalize the, the show. Dave Chappelle goes in and do his monologue. And now we're learning that he did a completely different monologue that was absolutely different than the monologue he performed on air. And the reason for that is because he wanted to make sure they don't cut his monologue. And they wanted to make sure that he would be able to say what he wants without anyone pressuring him to change any part of it. So he gave a fake one, and then he gave the real one live on air. But part of it was his take on Donald Trump and how he rose to power. And I thought it was really interesting for Dave Chappelle to bring this up as part of a comedic monologue. Like, he's, he's doing a comedy bit, and he brought up when he realized Donald Trump was actually a legitimate contender for president of the United States. I wanted to replay that. This is clip six. And the reason he's loved is because people in Ohio have never seen somebody like him. He's what I call an honest liar. Well, I'm not joking right now. He's an honest liar. That first debate, that first debate, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a white male billionaire screaming at the top of his lungs. This whole system is rigged, he said. And across the stage was a white woman, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, sitting over there looking at him like, no, it's not. I said, now, wait a minute, bro. It's what he said. And the moderator said, well, Mr. Trump, if in fact the system is rigged, as you suggest, what would be your evidence? You remember what he said, bro? He said, I know the system is rigged because I use it. I said, And then he pulled out an Illuminati membership card and chopped a line of cocaine up and did it right into the podium. <laughs> no one ever heard someone say something that true. And then Hillary Clinton tried to punch him in the taxes. She said, this man doesn't pay his taxes. He shot right back. That makes me smart. <laughs> and then he said, if you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't, 
because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that, my friends, a star was born. Yeah, that was Dave Chappelle, part of his monologue. He hid that because he knew that if he were to say things like that during the dress rehearsal, they would tell him not to say that. And then he busted that out on national television. I wish SNL was more honest in their assessment and their jokes. And, you know, I thought that was hilarious. I think more people would watch SNL if they had more takes that were like that. That is so funny. You can poke fun at them and continue to do that. That's hilarious. 855-616-1620. Before we go to break, let's do another call. Uh, Steve is calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. One person that everybody looking past for president. What about Youngkin? He had hmm. such a strong message when he ran for governor. What, so what do you like most about him? Why do you think that he would be the guy that is needed in a time like this? Because he talked about bringing the family and the family values back. And that's what you look at. Hmm. What You know, you listen to how many people, well, I didn't have a family. I, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. It's, a, it's so much of this stuff that's happening that needs to start in the family area. Yeah. Yeah, and I give him a lot of credit because I think he was, Youngkin came out just recently, and they were trying to goat him into saying something bad about another politician, and he wouldn't do it. You don't see that too often. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was he, impressive. He, stayed, he stayed, on his, stayed on his message. He talked about family. He talked about, let's bring education back to making, you know, getting the kids educated in the values we need, you know, the math, the English, the reading, and... Okay. Thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate that. And that's an important topic. It's so interesting when you look at the list of things that are motivating voters right now, even if you go back to the midterms, uh, we're talking about the economy, people afraid of losing their jobs, inflation's out of control. Um, you name it. There's a, there's a, so many things, classrooms and what are being taught in schools, traditional values and whatnot, courts, judges, Supreme Court. Roe v. Wade, uh, abortion. You look at all these different things that motivated people to go out and vote. The family value side of it, you don't hear that. So that might be a hard, hard thing to do. Um, We're going to take a break. And if you want to call in, you can. The WTMJ Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. So I'm watching the live feed. It looks like Daryl Brooks has now wrapped up. Judge Darrow said her piece. It looks like they're taking a break because the camera went to the clock on the wall. So we may be getting the sentencing for Dale Brooks here very shortly. And we're going to continue to monitor that and bring it to you live here on WTMJ. Don't go anywhere. All right, so here's the news out of Waukesha in the courtroom. They are taking a brief recess. And Daryl Brooks spoke for about, oh boy, I don't want to say two hours, but close to it. And now that they're taking this recess, from what we understand, we're going to be able to hear the sentence at about 3 o'clock. WTMJ here will be covering it live, and we'll talk to Greg Metzik about that as he's covering Wisconsin's afternoon news. So about 3 o'clock, we'll air that live. I really hope she lays into him. Uh, I think she's too professional for that to happen, but I, I can have my wishes, right? 855-616-1620. Uh, let's take a couple more comments before we go to break again. Joe, welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Joe. uh, We lost Joe, but that's okay. I got some other text messages I can read. Going through the list here, one person said, it seems to me like Donald Trump has morphed into Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, complaining about how he didn't win the state football championship in high school. 
I wouldn't say that. I mean, that would almost be like you were the starting quarterback and then you lost your job your senior year and you want to come back for an extended year. But I kind of see what you mean. I bet I can throw this steak over a mountain or whatever the line is from Uncle Rico. Uh, One person said, I'd rather have a mean tweet than a bad economy. I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think a lot of people could sum up the whole expression of, hey, uh, but no mean tweets, right? You don't have mean tweets. Yeah, I would sacrifice the mean tweets and all the people saying, you know, losing their mind on social media because I can phase that out. We can go back to the way the country was improving at the start of his presidency and onward up until the pandemic. One person mentioned Ryan. Uh, When Steve has Paul Ryan on the show, let him know Republicans and Democrats want him back. His knowledge as Speaker of the House is a plus. Most intellectual man I have heard in down-to-earth. That's interesting. So there's a lot of Paul Ryan support here on WTMJ. In fact, I feel you would have an opportunity to ask those questions directly to Steve if you were to text that in tomorrow at the start of the show. So I'll give you a little insider baseball. We have a text line and the texts come in, and then they cycle out so fast because we'll get a text message every 10 seconds. So it's just boom, 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 text messages all day. So if you want to get in front of Steve tomorrow when he's interviewing, text him like right at the start of the show and get your comments in that way because that would be the, the, the best, earliest way to do it. Some of the other things that I witnessed from last night and just watching some of the reaction that came in, I think a lot of people are just curious how this will play out. They don't take Donald Trump serious. Some people have. I think Navarro or whatever on The View mentioned, you know, don't sleep on Donald Trump. I just think it's so much different this time around than it was last time because before he felt like I got to prove this. He's already proved it to everyone. He can do it. I don't think he has to prove that he's redoing it. I don't know what he's waiting for to to say, okay, we're just going to step aside and be done with it. Maybe there's one event or one thing that needs to happen first before he reconsiders his stance on that. But we just don't know. Uh, one person said, I miss mean tweets and cheap gas. <laughs> Me too. And that expensive cost of energy is really going to hit people hard this winter. The more you turn your furnace on, it's just making it harder for you to pay those electric bills, heating bills, gas bills. Just be lucky you're not in Europe right now in the crisis that they're facing with the extreme bills and everything that was cut off from them over there. Uh, one person texted in, why did Judge Darrow ask Daryl Brooks for his recommendation for sentencing? That's an interesting question. I wonder if she was just trying to lead him into a point where he can look a little humble or look like he can actually follow through on his quote-unquote remorse that he has. I don't believe he's remorseful. I think he's putting on a show. And when he speaks for two hours like that, just dragging on and on and on and on, I think it just goes to show you that he's not really that serious. Uh, One quick call. Keith is holding on. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead, Keith. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, this is a disaster with him back in it. This is going to be Ross, Ross, uh, 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 pro all over again. If he doesn't get the Republican nomination, he's going to go as an independent. He's that arrogant about stuff. Okay. Um, his speech last night. The biggest thing in politics is learning what didn't work for people who move on. And this guy talked for an hour and a half last night. Okay. It should have been short. Should have been to the point, And let's move on. This is a disaster for us as Republicans. Does so you think you really away? think he would go independent, like, and, and try to play the spoiler? Oh, gosh, yes. Don't you think? I mean, look at him now. He, You know, he's talking nonsense up there. Just, just learn from what you did bad. Expand on the stuff you did good. 
and he didn't. He doesn't learn that. I'm not voting for him again, and I voted for him twice. The reality of it is, is there were some good things, but at the end of the day, it was bad. And, and I agree with everybody that who else was going to beat Hillary Clinton, right? Yep. And it was a surprise to him, I think, that they beat her. Okay, right. Okay. And I was, and and you're happy that you know that he was in there, but unfortunately, the guy didn't learn. He just didn't learn. Uh, don't talk so much. You know, that's so fascinating. We got to just for the sake of time, take a break. But the assessment that in those four years, he just didn't learn a lesson is a great takeaway of all of this. In fact, that is a point I haven't heard brought up. His inability to to learn from his mistakes, it shows you that he hasn't. That is a great point. And I've never considered that side of it. Now, I wouldn't say I would go as far as not vote for him again. I'd really don't want to continue on the path we are with Joe Biden if he's the nominee again. Please don't let us go through this longer than it needs to be. I'm just hoping it's Ron DeSantis. All right, we're going to take a break. Don't forget, we're going to get to the courtroom, back into the Daryl Brooks sentencing, and it looks like that's going to happen right around 3 o'clock, so we'll cover that live on WTMJ.